0: To another exciting episode of cadaver dogs podcast i'm rob basercia
1: i'm devin shepherd
0: and i'm david b jacobs and we are cadaver dogs hey what's up guys i had such a busy friggin' weekend and i am so stoked to just finally sit down with my friends and record this crazy podcast and uh honestly i my skin was crying crawling today i was looking at her instagram and for those of you who don't know, we have kind of a backlog in our recording schedule. So I just posted a picture of the cover of the screwfly solution and was looking at these mealworms inside a human mouth. And just my skin was crawling and I was about to vomit. And then I decided to come talk to you guys. That's just, I started thinking about you guys. And I decided I don't want to talk to you guys after that. Gee, thanks, Rob. All right, uh, now that we're done with the tangentials, remember to follow us on cadaver dogs pot that's on instagram twitter and facebook where we post a lot of really cool videos and all kinds of different kinds of content including that disgusting photo i was just talking about which you guys really gotta see which i think david probably likes the cover of more than the movie
1: that's probably accurate right david
0: (laughs) no not really Uh, you don't like the cover either you don't you think it's gross no i think it's shocking and i like that i i wish i kind of wish horror movies were more shocking in general i find that they're too tame for me like they're either like way off the grid overly disgusting but there's nothing that just makes my skin crawl you know like a full g type of like just maggots in your face like i want more of that
2: we we understand you you really you're a very edgy person you're dark you're (laughs) you're brooding uh you 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 like you're a loner, you play violent video games all the time. That's your type, right, Rob?
0: No, no, no. I, I just want to see people eat bugs in movies. That's about
1: it. Dude, I'm kinda of with you and like I mean you'll hear later on in the episode. I, I feel like I'm gonna have a rant about that.
0: Hmm. And we all live in New York City, so we know about eating bugs.
1: Thanks, Rob. Thank you. You're welcome. I did not. My Yeah, my boyfriend killed a cockroach in our apartment yesterday and didn't tell me about it. And I found its guts splattered. And I was like, what is this? And he's like, oh, I killed a cockroach. I didn't want to tell you so you wouldn't get freaked out. And I said, well, now I'm fucking freaked out.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's only really bad if you look down and you're like, pillowcase is moving. That's the only thing that really bothers me.
1: Oh, God, Rob, why? Jesus Christ, why?
0: Moving past the creepy crawlies, we're going to kind of talk about some like the virtual sphere, all those things outside of reality today. And um, our first film is definitely kind of like a throwback. And uh, if you want to see cool throwback stuff, I would recommend all of you to go home and watch the trailer to the video game strafe, because it's fucking awesome. But that is kind of beside the point, but not exactly, because it is in tune with our next movie we're about to talk about, Going to Devin Shepard.
1: Yeah, it's a throwback because it's 1994, hell yes, we're going to the 90s, finally. Our first film we're talking about is Brainscan. Michael is the strange kid at school, described as a brooding loner obsessed with horror movies, video games, and Alice Cooper. He mostly keeps to himself in his extremely large and honestly totally rad bedroom, spying on his next door neighbor, Kimberly. Or hanging out with his only friend, Kyle. When he finds an ad in Fangoria for Brainscan, an immersive video game described as the ultimate experience in interactive terror, Michael essentially pshaw's and doubts it's that scary. But of course, he has to try it. He starts the game and it's immediately different. It's realistic first person and the goal is to murder and not get caught. A skilled player, Michael ends part one only to find out that this isn't just a game. It's real. And yes, he did really murder somebody. Kyle is about to quit when a realistic hologram monster thing appears in his room. This is The Trickster. The Trickster explains the only way out is through and Michael must finish the game, eliminating any clues or witnesses he left at the crime scene. Eventually, Michael has to kill Kyle, his friend, and he almost kills Kimberly when he decides it's not worth it and sacrifices himself. As he dies, he's booted back to reality and realizes it was, in fact, all just a game. Uh, directed by John Flynn.
2: This movie has a lot of like really cool stuff in it and feels uh, like a nice throwback. It, it's also kind of a hot mess at the same time, so it's, it's <laughs> a very interesting little mixed bag of a uh, 90s paranoia. The first question that I think we need to address before we can start talking about the large ramifications here is, let's even ignore the final twist for a minute. Let's look at just up until Michael's sacrifice. Do you guys think that he is a redeemable character?
1: I, I think in order to answer that question like I cuz I don't know because I don't understand why he keeps playing the game. Like I feel like they don't establish that reason well enough.
0: I I actually agree.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean okay, so to so to fill in a little bit, the game comes in four parts and it's it's the 90s so these games come on like CD-ROMs. It's a, it's a computer game more so than uh than a actual like uh handheld uh NES video game kind of thing. Um so there's four parts and Each one comes in the mail, and he's just, like, freaked out every time he gets it in the mail. But, like, then it calls through his phone and, like, enters his brain, and I'm just, I'm so confused why he keeps, I'm I'm just confused why he keeps playing.
0: Yeah, the logistics make no sense. He basically just turns on a video game and then gets warped into uh, this alternate world, But, but then it's explained to him that it's just kind of like a mind control, where it just... Uh, hypnotizes him and
2: then makes him do these like weird things kind of right except at the same time the trickster keeps emphasizing that michael is in control which
1: right yeah
2: is very confusing because then michael seems like he wouldn't have made those decisions if he wasn't in the game so it's it's not it's really not clear how much the game is influencing him how much it is mind control or I, i i i i thought for a while that they were going to say like the game was uh hypnotizing him into playing it but they don't do that either mm. it, it's very it, it is very strange i mean yeah well i think you can't answer this question
0: without talking about the ending because if you disregard the ending then you disregard the mind control because at the end of the movie it's all in his in the game it's not even in its head which is kind of like a cool twist on it and that kind of justifies his erratic behavior, because what we're doing is we're simulating real terror, right, mm-hmm. in the game. Because, like, the video game terror, you always know it's not real. So the video game tricks you into thinking it is real and being stuck in this kind of, like, quicksand scenario, you know, which uh, is similar of what, uh, Uncut Gems? Uncut oh, Gems are so good! It would be better if the movie kind of did that, like a good time Uncut Gems or quicksand type vibe, where it felt like you were just getting deeper and deeper and deeper but it didn't have that kind of tempo. I think that's what it wanted to do, but it didn't successfully portray it. And you also had this weird, like, David Bowie character running around. Like, what the fuck was that?
2: That's a surprisingly good analogy with Uncut Gems. Good good call on that, actually. I like that. Um, I mean, if you take it piece by piece, like, literally each disc... Okay, the first disc, he literally think it's just a game. You don't need much explanation for that. Even when he pops out of it, he still thinks a game until he sees that it really happened on the news. And mm-hmm. the second time, okay, now he knows that it's real, so you need a little more explanation. Uh, I, I mean, he, he, he was recording a confession for the police. He's trying to show, like, oh, no, see, what I'm doing, it's just a game. But then he sees himself literally standing up and walking away. So it's like, well, this just incriminates me. I mean, if I'm him, then I assume that someone's going to die if I played a game. But he doesn't seem to consider that. Maybe he's just being dumb. The third time, the trickster actually does tell him no one's going to die. And, of course, that's a lie. Uh, although Michael doesn't kill anyone directly, I guess, in the third disc. But regardless. <laughs> uh, and then the fourth time, though... I mean, this one, he doesn't just know someone's going to die. He outright knows that it's going to be Kimberly, the girl who he has an incredibly creepy fucking crush on. Yeah. And he chooses to do it anyway. Like, at this point, he kind of is just like, I want to get away with it to some extent. Well,
0: yeah, but we can't tell how much of that is his own character volition, how much of that is the programming of the game.
1: That's fair, right, yeah. Because, yeah, it, we don't we don't know his character at all, really. He doesn't really do much but brood around before he plays the game and, like, think about his dead mother and
3: mm.
1: talk to his computer, which is totally fucking cool. Um, it reminded me so much of Blank Check, <laughs> the technology in this movie, the, like, 90s technology or, like, Xenon, uh, the girl of the 21st century. Everything felt just, like, so half futuristic
2: his computer which is named igor is love it pretty fucking amazing yeah imagine if alexa was half as helpful as igor
1: (laughs) i know right like he fucking mastered alexa i and i love that the most 90s-esque thing that i love about this is in order to uh talk to igor or in order to like uh uh make igor turn on he says talk to me and in order to hang up he says later
0: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be yeah. cool i did have a. I i was on set one time and the sound guy was talking to was it cortana the mm-hmm. one on uh, microsoft or whatever and he's like all right thanks cortana and cortana responds no problem big daddy
1: <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> <You're kidding? laughs>
0: uh so yeah anyway yeah i really think he's a redeemable character i don't know if he's that good of a character like well written um he's i I don't know he's kind of interesting uh i feel like the shortcomings in this movie all happen after the first act i think the first act Mm -hmm. act of the movie is by far the strongest because you get hit with this like crazy nostalgia which could just be like a personal like affinity for the uh for the time frame but then there's a lot of cool jokes yeah, we get him talking to his principal with death, 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 part two. <laughs> Which, by the way, looks like an awesome,
3: awesome movie.
1: That Okay, also that line, uh, <laughs> where he's just like, part two, I, it cra- I cracked up. I, like, rewound it so many times. I was like, that was perfect delivery.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that was probably his best delivery in the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, furlough is like, is it furlough or furlong? Furlong, I don't...
1: Eddie Furlong.
0: This is probably one of his weaker performances
1: oh for sure the the director uh straight up admitted that he hated working with eddie furlong on this movie movie because he was like yeah eddie was just practically falling asleep in his chair he was 15 years old and didn't listen to shit that i told him and i had literally had to shake him before takes to like wake him up and perform
0: wow (laughs) so funny (laughs) that is that is hilarious yeah he was probably just high as fuck or something I don't
1: well, know. yeah, because was he already famous at, by this point? That he he had done Terminator.
0: He'd done Terminator, Pet Cemetery 2. He done quite a few movies up until this point. Yeah. That's why he was Yeah, he was like world famous by the time this film came out. Okay, my favorite character is the detective. I think he's actually surprisingly well written. I like how he responds to uh Michael throughout the film. He's like, get out of here, kid. I like how he's just like all business, no bullshit. And my favorite part with him is actually the stuff with uh, Night Watch, how he just like tells them exactly how it is, completely professional. And then at the end, his reaction to the um, the neighbor being shot by the Night Watchman was pretty interesting. Because you, you kind of see that he felt somewhat responsible, just in his little bit of recognition, I thought.
1: Oh, when he says, okay, one of you has to go tell his wife now.
2: It's Franklin. Langelle. Frank Langelle is fucking great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really like them. And when he's talking to the Night Watch, I think one of the interesting parts about that is that he specifically tells them uh, not to bring guns. Yeah. Which is not what you usually see in these movies. I'm like, oh, wow. He's (laughs) like actually trying to not get this guy lynched.
1: But at the end, he shoots Michael for what looks to be no reason. He literally just shoots him. Yeah. Well,
0: well, I mean, he caught him in the act of trying to kill somebody.
1: He didn't. What, what did he have in his hands? I almost said scissors because I'm imagining the second movie.
0: It was, it was scissors.
1: Okay. Okay. So it's scissors. He has them in his hands, but at no point was he, like, raising them to her or, like, looking threatening any, in any way um, other than, like, being half of his face being the tricksters. Like, it, it seemed very violent to me that the cop would just uh, shoot him.
0: But I think that's how the game has to end. I think that's just kind of in the programming of the game, you know.
2: It's seconds before you break out of the game and realize that it wasn't real. So I think that that is intended to be like the kind of rude awakening. Like, oh, you decided not to kill the girl, so now you die. Haha, you died, you lost. Right. So uh, here's a question. Um, this movie has
0: a lot of interesting ideas, and unfortunately it doesn't follow through on most of them one of the ones that i found particularly interesting was it it was saying something about youth and like media interaction at the time and that's why he was videotaping his neighbor girl while she at the same time was taking photos of him and it's this very like uh through a filter relationship they have of like two young people who are shy and not exactly popular at school Uh, what, what do you think the stance of this movie is if there's any about this kind of interaction between youth and media and maybe violence or something
2: well it doesn't seem to think that there's anything wrong with uh, filming someone when they're naked without them knowing so there's that well, I think it's implied that she <laughs> knew he was doing it
1: though yeah i think it is implied that she knew it
2: he doesn't know she knows though so yeah but but <laughs> she knows that she knows and he doesn't know that she's taking photos of him. And also, we don't know that she knows because that is in the game when she reveals that.
1: No, I, I, yeah, I I got the fact that she knew that he was watching from that scene before they're in the game. Um, the way that she interacts, she looks towards the window before removing her bra or anything.
0: Uh, yeah, so I, I definitely get that interaction. It also says that there's something supernatural going on in this video game because the video game knows that she's snapping photos of him before she tells him
1: yeah that didn't make any sense like yeah here are the photos in this virtual world and then he finds them in the real world and i'm like are we supposed to not be in the real world then like how would the video game ever know that
0: i think that trickster is a demon programmer who is just a trickster not actually awful but just a mischievous kind of loki type figure who programmed this virtual reality video game that's my take
2: the The video game is definitely sci-fi, whether it's supernatural or just unbelievably advanced AI. It's, it's clearly something that does not exist. I mean, you 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 know, video game can actually convince someone that it's real that effectively for that long.
1: Right, and and we hear at the end um, when the game ends it's talking about uh when when it hangs up it's like this is such and such laboratory and it's talking about that like oh this game actually wasn't created by a developer it was created by um scientists in a lab i want to go back a little bit to to what you were talking about rob because this was like the big thing that i wanted to talk about today violence and media and where we were at this time so this film came out in 1994 which um obviously it was made a little bit in 1993 which is around the time that these congressional hearings were happening around video game violence yeah. um there was a big uproar in parents and in in politics about um around this video game night trap which is a, a really fucking weird game uh, we don't have to go into it and then also of all things mortal combat
0: yeah night trap's super weird that's like it's like an interactive movie
1: It's very similar also to like kind of what's happening in this film where, I don't know, you're watching their sleepover and you're watching them through CCTV. And I think it's about vampires stop them from being killed by a vampire. So it's almost that voyeuristic thing that we see also in this movie, like you were just talking about, Rob, with him watching uh, Kimberly, Michael watching Kimberly through the camera. Mm -hmm. It seems like a direct reference to that video game.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of odd to, like, group that with Mortal Kombat, too. Because Nightwatch is more or less just an interactive, like, slasher horror movie, kind of. Which is kind of cool. I mean, I never
2: played it. But you're supposed to stop them from getting killed? Like, I don't... Correct. And I don't get what the controversy is.
1: (laughs) That's the whole thing, is, like, if you lose, then they die, and you see the violence happen, and then parents are freaked out that their kids are watching this happen... Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was, there were all these congressional hearings about it, which eventually led to the, uh, video game rating system in 1994, which I think was, um, this movie was done and out before they came to the conclusion of these congressional hearings.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the argument was that since you're interacting with it since you're participating in it, it's more influential than just watching violence, for instance. That's why they're always like hating on doom because it's a first person shooter like that awful article you sent me where the guy was like, oh, Columbine was obviously due to marijuana addiction and doom. <laughs> Man. You know, he, he forgot Marilyn Manson, by the way. That's in the trio. That's the cocktail. You can't forget that
1: one. Right, which is also kind of mentioned in this movie, too. He has a giant poster of Alex Cooper. Like, all the music is very Alice Cooper-esque. Like, it's...
2: Which is why I'd like to throw in, like, people, they may have made this argument that it's interactive and that's why it's dangerous, but that argument is bullshit because they made these same arguments with Marilyn Manson, with comic books in the nineteen fifties, which got censored way more than video games. Like th- this is this is an old argument that comes out every time anyone has any any new thing. I mean, what wasn't there some ancient philosopher who's like, oh, we shouldn't be writing stuff down. That's that's gonna make people lazy
1: yeah it 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 goes back so far and i mean if we're thinking about the 90s too this is also in the tail end of i think we discussed this a little bit in the last episode where in the 80s yeah they have all these congressional hearings about um uh rock music essentially being too sexual and that thus forming the rating system for cds
0: speaking of like censorship anyway i mean australia and china obviously but australia censors a lot of video game content even now and uh, there are video games who get censored, obviously, in the U.S. a lot of the time because it, it pushes the barrier too far, so they censor it to be within the guidelines.
2: It's also worth mentioning this movie came out in the same year as In the Mouth of Madness and New Nightmare, so... Yeah, so this conversation
0: about the influence of media on audiences was in the zeitgeist at the time, so this is kind of like a movie of its time. And I think it has like a pretty positive viewpoint on how media affects people. Because after the game is over, Michael's like, oh, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, he's pissed off for a minute. And then he's like, that was kind of awesome. And he's like, now let me fuck with my, my uh, principal, which is kind of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the movie. I mean, at that point, I'm like, yeah, this movie's so silly anyway. It's actually really fucked
2: up, though. Like, that that is... Is it? Yeah. Why? Because he might be killing his principals. People have died playing that game. They had seizures and shit.
0: They literally oh, yeah, said that.
2: Yeah. They were like, "Someone had an aneurysm playing that game. Don't play it." And it's like, "Okay, I'll give it to the principal." It's like, "Oh, that did happen." <laughs> That's actually really fucked up.
0: <laughs> well, fuck his principal anyway for making him turn off his movie.
1: Yeah, fair. And I mean, like, obviously, the principal is a is a direct representation of like parents and politics. The viewpoint of this film then seems very scattered. Because, like, okay, if the whole point is that the game's over and then Michael can just live a life separately from the game and the game has, like, no effect on him whatsoever, at least in a negative way, I feel like he's a little more positive after he finishes the game, why are there people dying from this game? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like, what are you saying about video games?
0: Well, I think that's just kind of, to to put a, like, cherry on top of the horror of the movie, I I think the uh, societal commentary is separate because we're obviously talking about another medium, you know. And and I think it's saying that what we currently have is not like this. You know, this would be something that maybe you should be concerned with, but what we're doing now, it's very clear what the difference is between reality and fiction.
2: So I think that the movie intends that to be separate from its a, from a societal commentary, but I don't, I don't think that you can just throw something in there and have it be separate from societal commentary. I kind of see the movie largely as parodying these fears which is why that ending is meant to be like a it, i i take it kind of as a joke essentially like oh <laughs> what if he just killed you then yeah i'm with you i, I kind of wish this movie had more dark humor like it's really not bloody enough
0: for me i want more gore and uh oh god the special effects oh glorious
1: yeah you like them
0: especially at the end when trickster eats him and he like is that weird like photo projection of him like swirling down oh my god that made Freddie's dead look good
1: <laughs> you know you know a lot of the special effects that I got I mean especially at the end when he's like about to shoot Kimberly that entire scene I was like oh fuck this is Daniel isn't real this is exactly Daniel isn't real they have the same like face merge um he his body gets taken over there's like that same like I'm you but you're not me and now I'm like possessing your body like it was it was Daniel isn't real
3: mm-hmm.
1: which we covered in a previous episode. I
2: think that movie also talks largely about uh toxic masculinity and misogyny which I think are also very much part of this movie. I think that even if the movie is trying to justify him filming this girl naked like they obviously that is not something you should be doing without clear explicit consent. Um, if you have clear explicit consent then fucking go for it. Great, good for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know how much the movie is aware of those issues when it's presenting them. Like, and Daniel isn't real. I think it's very clearly aware of those issues, and this one, I think, not so much. Um... Oh
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, let's give video game players rights, but I mean, women's rights this time about sexuality. <laughs> no.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, but um, I mean, she's also doing it to him. Which is odd.
1: Yeah, that that is really interesting and a good thing to bring up too. It's like it's it's on both of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it was more playing on that almost like Fright Night esque uh, spying on your neighbors type thing, or like uh, does Ferris Bueller do that too? I think it's more of like a trope. That's why they threw it in there, and uh, maybe even it like unintentionally said more about the character was initially implied.
1: Yeah, because it it does say it adds to that like weird strange quality that they keep saying that he is even though he just likes horror movies and he has one friend instead of like 12 but he's also like kind of friends with the next door neighbor so and he also like shows at the party and no one's like get the fuck out of here you dweeb they're like hey what's up
2: he also runs a club at his school that's like fairly well attended like D- yeah. those people are probably happy to see him they're happy to sign a petition to get the club reinstated like no he has friends um but you're right the movie is i think it's very much intentionally trying to make a parallel between him and the profile of i mean if school shooters weren't too. they were in a conversation at this point but not as much but something along those lines they're trying to show like this is the dangerous threat that you're all afraid of he's creepy toward women and he can't actually speak them he has no friends just ignore all these friends he has he has no friends
0: none of that's actually true though about him because like when they say oh all your classmates are calling you a freak and a loser that's in the video game because in the real world like when we see them he's not really that much of a freak that's like his own fear. And I think that's what the game's doing. Like, it's making him experience real fear. It's, like, terrifying.
1: I think what this movie does well, and what's really curious of watching it, too, is, like, it makes you think about your perception of him Mm -hmm. as well. It's, like, do you see him as brooding and weird because he likes these things? Like, how are you experiencing (laughs) this video game? How are you experiencing this movie? What are your own perceptions? Like, I think it does that shockingly well for, like, not a high-level film.
0: Yeah, I kind of feel like the opening and the ending questions are really interesting. It's just everything in the middle, not that great.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like it's like a sandwich with good bread. <laughs> Something I think that maybe can be mentioned in terms of his redeemability and things in general is if the game is truly a representation of his fears, which I'm actually not sure that it is. I, I don't think that the movie clearly establishes that rule. Um, but if it is, if you do take it to be a representation of his personal fears and that he's only killing people because that's what he's afraid of is himself becoming violent, he's not a threat to anyone. Like, if, if, if he's afraid of becoming violent, then he isn't going to. And even within the game, we see him, like, he, he's, he's fucking terrified by this. He's scared out of his mind. I think he says he's scared out of his mind, literally.
1: Yeah, and it feels like... They're making a point of saying that, like, yeah, kids are more scared of this stuff than you realize. Like, kids are not, like, teenagers are not, in fact, frightening. But it also is talking about how, like, real life is almost scarier than these video games. I mean talking about the flashbacks but even before he like gets to the video game he sees uh, a person die or a dead body having been a, a cyclist hit by a car and it's like all these terrifying things are happening before he even gets into the game and it feels like they're saying like hey by the way like the real world is actually more fucked up than these video games like you see a lot more terrible violence happening out there besides in the virtual world one thing i really actually liked uh about this movie or in this movie is the relationship between Michael and Kyle it was probably I, I've i never seen a movie from the 90s or 80s where I've seen two friends two male friends say I love you to one, an- one another And that was just such a precious moment. Like Kyle is doing so much for his friend. He's always there for him, always asking if he's okay, signing petitions, like doing all this stuff. And then, I mean, like, I know that all happens in the quote, virtual video game. But then at the end, when Michael's out of the video game, he goes to Kyle and it's like, I love you, bro. And I was like, oh my God, male friendship. I love it so much.
3: I
0: liked his friend. I liked uh, the sweater around the uh, waist. I think that's a cool style. We should bring that back down yeah yeah who are you tied around the waist fucking two thumbs up
2: have you (laughs) not done that lately uh no it's been summer i haven't done that in a while it is time okay pups i'm excited to move on to our next movie but first i'd like to ask you once again to follow us on instagram and twitter at cadaver dogs pod And while you're at it, if you're enjoying the show, the best way to help us grow is by tweeting about us or otherwise sharing us with your friends. Lastly, if you have a podcast or horror-related product you'd like to promote in this space right here, shoot us an email at cadaverdogspodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks, pups. And now
0: we're back. Thanks for sticking with us through that uh, commercial break. Our next film also has to do with the virtual sphere and is a little bit more timely. David B. Jacobs will be giving us the rundown on this really weird mixed-media experience.
2: Come to me, clouds. May you rise as an evil storm born to rip them open. Let the cover of night bear witness and destroy those who resist so blah, 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 blah. This is the pair that appears on screen when 520-somethings played the unreleased video game Stay Alive. Hutch's playtester friend recently died after testing this game. So Hutch has arranged a gathering in his memory. But how do you get past this opening screen? Are you supposed to read the prayer? Surely it can't be voice activated. That technology doesn't even exist yet. Oh, it's, it's a curse. It's definitely a curse. See, the villain of this game is Elizabeth Bathory, a real historical serial killer and possible inspiration for Dracula, who now haunts the game as the blood countess. Sure enough, the next day, Hutch's co-worker turns up dead, murdered in the same way he died in the game. The others try to piece together what's going on, but even if they stop playing, the game will just unpause on its own and play itself. All they can hope to do is evade the police, suspect the gang themselves are behind it, and stay alive. Directed by William Brent Bell. My question is a little more literal this week. How did Frankie Muniz
0: survive? And <laughs> what the hell are the rules to this game? I like have no idea.
1: <laughs> the rules of this game are so fucked to the point where I'm like, I'm I'm taking notes and I'm like, okay, I know David and Rob are going to want to talk about rules because that's always a thing that we talk about. And at one point I'm like, I don't fucking understand them. And then I look up and it literally a character says, what are the rules to this game? <laughs> they like, <laughs> literally point out, oh my God, what the fuck is happening? There are no rules.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, you like the one guy pauses the game. He's like, huh, I figured out how to kill this horse. And then he like leaves and then the horse kills him anyway. And you're like, wait, what the fuck? Like, and then like, the game plays itself. Sometimes, certain characters erratically, it's like, when, why? Like, wouldn't it play that guy later? Because he was the most recent playing it and the person had to pause it for the longest. I don't. I don't
2: get it. So I wasn't thinking of the rules of the game too much while watching because um, I, I had never heard of this movie or Brain Scan before, and I thought that the theme of the week was uh, video game adaptations. So I ju- I thought it was a real game, <laughs> and I didn't find out that it wasn't a real game until like I was looking stuff up after the movie, and I was like, "Oh no, th- this isn't a real. This is not a real game."
1: Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm.
3: I real
0: to clear up a little bit it's it's a survival horror video game in the movie called stay alive with really friggin dated graphics like even for the time the movie came out and it's based kind of loosely on uh, survival horror games like resident evil or older ones like clock tower which is directly referenced because there's a tower and she has scissors it's not a big tower but you know it's uh, what's like a mansion Do they actually call it a plantation in the movie? They do. Yeah, they do call it a plantation. All right. So there's so it's it's very loosely based on actually two historical serial killer torture types, I think, because the movie takes place in New Orleans, correct?
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, well, Louisiana.
0: Right. So it's Elizabeth Bathory, who is actually a Hungarian serial killer from from the late 1500s into the very very early 1600s when she was eventually I think killed because they caught her she was killing virgins and bathing in their blood to try and stay young if the myth is to believe to be believed she was imprisoned and the other one is
2: is delphine lalori she died in prison no she was in prison uh in her house it, oh yes yeah. She wasn't literally – in the in the movie, she was literally, like, walled in her house. But she was just – she was basically placed under an old version of house arrest is what actually happened. And right. she, I think she didn't live that long once she was stuck there.
0: Right, right. And I think I watched something on her a long time ago, and they said that her condition was probably, like, stomach cancer or something. Mm-hmm. And they were, like – she was linking it to, like, kind of vampirism and the other people in the area because she was – wasting away and getting pale and because she had stomach
2: cancer or something similar you're our true crime person Devin. how do you know a lot about elizabeth bathory
1: yes and this has been something that has angered me about this movie for so many <laughs> years
2: <laughs> okay wait
0: before you explode do you, do you also know about um delphine Lalori is that her name
1: yeah, actually I fucking love Madame LaLaurie. Well, I don't love her. Uh no, she's she's an awful racist. Uh no, fuck <laughs> no way. I'm sorry. To take everything back. She's fucking awful. Um I love
2: Hitler. Well- <laughs> oh wow. That's awful. Devin twenty mm-hmm. twenty
3: one.
1: Her story's so creepy. Uh it's 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 extremely famous and as as a lover of not just like true crime but also the paranormal like her house is, is extremely haunted and also as someone who is uh sensitive to paranormal activity um i have felt things at her house um it's it's all crazy oh we yeah i'll post a picture on the instagram of me at her house uh well i've been there many a time so we can do that uh lo- love love some dark tourism folks
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay so Elizabeth battery though can you give us a little bit more insight because I'm going off some very old prior knowledge and a little bit of wiki reading I did before this podcast.
1: I think you, did, you gave a really good overview. Okay. Already actually. Yeah.
0: Right. So, I mean, how much of this movie is based on which one? Cause it kind of seems like they just took two serial killers and mashed them together. And then it was like, and now they cursed a
3: video
2: game. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a lot of the stuff you're attributing to Delphine is actually just overlap that is connects to both of them. Like, Mm-hmm. They both had torture chambers.
1: Delphine did did bathe in people's blood because she thought it was quote unquote the fountain of youth and she it kept did? her youthful. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: Delphine did?
1: Mm-hmm. That's Weird. or at least that's a rumor that she would bathe in, in her slave's blood. And I think she eventually she did start killing young women, um, beyond just her slaves.
2: Everything you just said also applies to Bathory though. Right. Um, I, and
1: I think i read somewhere, and I, I wouldn't be able to, to pinpoint where at this point, so this could be totally um, conjecture, but uh, that she wasn't inspired by Madame Bathory.
2: Oh, that makes uh. sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so Bathory uh, mostly was Bathory was a noblewoman, and she would uh, kidnap and murder peasants in her village, or she, sometimes she would murder her help. She would torture them and kill them. She would also, I think she would make her help um assist her a lot of the time um and then she blamed it on them later she said oh it was all them i had nothing to do with it it was all all these people who were working under me um but for a long time she just got away with it because 1500s peasants dying no one cared right and she was a noble woman so there every everyone knew it was an open secret and they just let her do it until she started to like Killing other nobles,
1: yeah, which is shocking. And honestly, the same thing for lawlery too. I feel like people just like knew about it until she's until she started killing non-slaves.
2: I think it was legal to kill slaves.
1: Yeah, actually, that's that's probably a really good point. Um, No, because this was actually after slavery, so she did it before slavery and after because it was like in the mid eighteen hundreds. Okay. I do believe so. I could totally be lying. We can fact check that later. Um. Regardless, the thing that this movie gets wrong is that Madame Bathory never moved to New Orleans. She never came to America. And like, what the flying fuck? And I, I, I had, I was so angry about this movie for so long because I was like, you take this awesome story of Madame Bathory and you are just like bastardizing it by putting it in New Orleans and just changing everything about the story to make it fit your film it makes no sense what the fuck are you doing just create a completely new character or call him or call her Madame Lawlerie. like what the fuck are you doing I don't understand and then David came in and was like hey um there's a director's cut and the director's cut includes 15 minutes that has never been seen in the theatrical, and I was like, I've watched this movie so many goddamn times and has been so angry about it, <laughs> and I never knew. And in lo and behold, in the director's cut, they're like, there's a whole scene where they say, "Oh yeah, I mean, she came to America and blah blah," and like give this whole backstory. I was like, okay, well, that at least gives you context. I mean, it still never happened, but it, like. I guess now it makes a little more sense that you chose to have Madame Bathory as your evil lady.
2: I mean, I think that what it is is maybe they would have la- used LaLaurie, but if they used Delphine, Delphine LaLaurie... Uh, let me say that again. I mean, I think that... Perhaps they would have used Delphine Lowry, maybe, but if they had then racism is a theme in the movie that stars Mm. a cast of entirely white people, except for, I think the detective is like the only non-white character in the movie. And they, they, I don't think they wanted to talk about race at all or draw any attention to the fact that they have an extremely not diverse cast. So
1: then don't fucking (laughs) set it in new Orleans or Louisiana in general, where like, it's literally like Louisiana is literally like the epicenter of so many different cultures. like, fuck you if you're only gonna have one black person in this goddamn movie make it then make it be somewhere else put it in fucking Romania and do Madame Bathory
2: I will say uh, American Horror Story I don't actually like the Coven season very much but Kathy Bates plays Delphine LaLaurie and she's fucking amazing
3: Oh, she
2: is like the, the big redeeming factor of that season is Kathy Bates as Delphine LaLaurie she like it becomes immortal and wakes up in present day and has the, is, like, confronted with the progress that we've made, which I guess is a little uh, not aware that there's still a lot of problems. But regardless, it's, it's there's a the scene where she watches the TV and finds out Obama's the president and just starts crying. And it's well, amazing. <laughs> it's, and it's
1: awesome. But also that season, like, all it does is talk about race, too, right? Yeah. And, I, it, yeah. and they do it well. Also and this is a total tangent that we can cut out if you want, but there is a mm-hmm. Madame uh, lallery movie that's in the works now, hmm. written by two white men, about a woman who is murdering black slaves. Why is that a thing that's happening?
2: Does it star Kathy Bates?
1: No, because then I don't care.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. yeah. Well, I mean, I... I think you can write whatever you want. But I haven't seen that episode of American Horror Story or the new movie, obviously, so uh yeah. Um what else do you guys think about the movie? Do you like the campiness? I really like the campiness. I think it's pretty funny, and I love how the runtime is only eighty-six minutes. I think more movies should be eighty-six
2: minutes. I mean I, I watched the scenes from the director's cut and I don't know that they make the movie that much better, but I also never saw them in context. And my understanding from everyone who's seen both versions is that uh, this movie should not have been 86 minutes, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, and I think that's totally fair. There are so many questions that I had that I think were missing from this movie in terms of just, like, when do we know that her body's in the tower? How do we know all these things that the characters suddenly know? And, like, some of the deleted scenes explain them, which, like, maybe don't fucking delete those scenes, dude. Um, Yeah. But then some of them don't, and we just are like supposed to assume that the characters have known this all along.
2: There is no deleted scene to explain why Frankie Muniz is alive. Okay, in defense of eighty-six minutes,
0: this movie's really, really stupid. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> there,
0: there's a, and it, it, I think it knows it's stupid. Like there's a scene in the movie where Hutch is like talking to I think October, and October is basically explaining to him. The backstory of the curse of the video game he's like what does this have to do anything why are you telling me all this this isn't helpful and then she's telling him exactly why the game is like cursed like word for word he's like this is nonsense let's talk about something important like dude what are you talking about
2: my personal headcanon uh the main Uh, hutch is played by john foster who is uh discount Discount John Krasinski, he looks exactly like Jim Halpert and sounds exactly like Jim Halpert and dresses exactly like Jim Halpert the entire movie. He's also the brother of Ben Foster.
1: Who's sexier.
2: Wait, yeah, but who are these people? I don't Who's Jim Halpert? John Krasinski's John
1: Krasinski. character in The Office. The Quiet Place. Yeah. In in horror film He's... context, Rob, the guy from The Quiet Place.
0: Yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't like The Quiet Place, so I don't know anything about it.
2: But he's also uh, the brother of Ben Foster, who was actually offered the role first. And Ben Foster turned it down and said, I think that my brother John would be a really good fit for that part. So my headcanon, of course, that he read the script and he said, hey, John, do you want this?
1: The backstory to this movie is really interesting to me because it started off as an indie film. Um, and they, like during shooting, they shot it in 25 days, which is insane to me. Um, and it was indie while they were shooting it the the directors had funded it uh you know privately and then i think i don't know when disney came on board but disney came on board before it was completed um which i think is why we see so many reshoots this
2: was a disney movie
1: oh it's a disney movie it is i think (laughs) disney's only slasher film
0: yeah i read that
1: yeah it's fucking weird uh i don't know what to make of it and yeah, Disney, please never touch another fucking slasher movie ever because you slashed it in the edit. Like Jesus fucking Christ.
0: I I like this movie. Sorry, I think it's funny. Uh, I wish there was more blood.
1: Oh, I like it too.
0: <laughs> I wish there was a lot more blood. Like I think in the deleted scenes, there's more blood, right?
1: Yeah, there's a lot more blood.
2: It's not. It's not a lot more blood. They hold on all the the death shots for like an extra second
1: it literally is only an extra second like there's a there's a shot that they cut that's uh sophia bush when she's being hurt uh not gutted when she's uh being slit throat yeah yeah slit throat and bled there's just a little more blood and yet they but they still show the the roommates bloody room like several times
2: it's 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 not like uh a nightmare on elm street 5 or if you watch the extended death scenes and there's actually like a lot more material that was cut out for the MPAA in, right. in, in that movie I, I wish they showed the cop get killed that seemed like a really cool kill scene that is a deleted scene and that's what I was going to say that is like the, the best deleted scene that they should not have cut is no. that they have the cop getting killed
1: his head fucking explodes it's so cool
2: in a deleted scene
1: yes well I mean it kind of explodes in the real movie
0: <laughs> no, nah, they just show the van. I think I don't think they. Which is
1: show kind anything. of still a cool shot, but yeah, I agree the. Really, is I
0: bad. thought that was like a bad shot. <laughs> I was like, I was watching it. I was like, this is a bad shot. Of the van.
2: It, it, it's not as well. The death scene still like I don't want to get your hopes up. It's it's not like the guy churning into his motorcycle and Dream Child, but in Nightmare Five, <laughs> but uh, it it's like they you see the cop's death in the video game. and It's like this weird, crazy Hellraiser like device, and you're like god i can't wait to see that in real life and then they just like don't show it and you're like what the fuck what why why would you set that up then not follow through on it that was <laughs> definitely a saw reference that that
1: oh, contraption yeah.
0: oh. on his head was definitely a saw reference which i thought was cool
1: it's it also kind of seems i think it's an actual torture device uh from from hmm. old, olden times
0: i wouldn't uh probably Doubt it. That's the word I was looking for. Doubt. Uh,
3: <laughs>
1: I will say, because we're referencing this so much, we will drop a link to the deleted scenes in the show notes. So if you guys just look at the description, uh, you can check it out there. Yeah, yeah. worth a be watch. Be
2: warned that sure. the footage is like pretty warped because of copyright.
0: I I still think this movie is stupid enough to not need the explanations and to just be eighty six minutes. But I wish it, they kept all the gore in. But. Like, the end of this movie is just a hot mess. Like, Frankie Muniz shows up out of nowhere. Uh, They know all this stuff that's never explained. The, The rules of the video game just, like, cave in. The smart character stops playing the video game and then she shows up and she's like, what the fucking rules? And it runs out of the van, which is hilarious, by the way. Like, I, well, I I, like yo,
1: What is that decision? He just runs away?
0: <laughs> I have no he idea. Just... I have no idea. It's just funny. I just, I think a lot of the decisions in this movie are like, yeah, let's just be stupid with it. Let's go. Like, there's a lot of camp. Um, and he knew there was a lot of camp from the first scene of the movie. Like, th- that's why I like it because it's so consistent. In the first scene of the movie when the guy sees his roommates and, like, he's banging her with, like, the, uh, the pig head on for some reason Fair. and, and they're like yeah we're done playing video games and the like, oh, okay and then he he comes back and he sees him dead and he has that ridiculous reaction it's very funny the,
2: the best character movie is uh phineas who's played by jimmy simpson or as i will always refer to him leah McPoyle, because he is the uh the creepy one of the creepy twins in it's always sunny who has like a unibrow and is incest all, and is into incest and milk freaking hilarious there's a moment where he like calls him he's on the phone he's freaking out and then the the blonde girl says something he's like
0: "Is that Abigail?" a girl and she's like
1: yeah
2: sup, mama
0: my my favorite part is when they cut to him and he's singing along in the car that is so funny yeah
1: he, yeah he dominates this movie i think this this i watched this when it came out so i must have been like 14 15 and i think this was probably the first thing i saw him in Uh, this is probably the first thing that I saw Adam Goldberg in and like let me tell you Adam Goldberg took over many of the years my teenage years uh, very much loved Adam Goldberg
2: who's Adam Goldberg
1: (laughs) he's the boss
0: (laughs) yeah he's the boss he's very funny anyway uh, Phineas is also in Westworld and the first season of Westworld was really good I didn't didn't watch the second season I'm sure it's pretty good because the first one was good
2: He's also in the, the episode of Black Mirror with the Star Trek world.
3: Yes. Um, which yeah. Which
2: ties into our conversation right now, actually. W- what do you guys think this movie is saying?
0: I'm totally unclear if it has any stance on video games or whatnot. It kind of feels like it's just trying to, like, chime into like, video game world. But in, like, a kind of, like, completely oblivious type way. People say things about video games that are, like, half right. And the way they, like, try <laughs> to act like video game nerds is... Kinda sorta in there. I was
2: so ready to talk about how it's like a a trashy and cynical uh, marketing ploy for this video game called Stay Alive, but then I found out there is no video game (laughs) called Stay Alive, so I don't know.
0: I just feel like it was a video game horror movie. It was kind of like an homage to the survival horror genre of like Resident Evil and Clock Tower, like I said, and uh, they were just like, yeah, we like these video games. They're like, oh yeah, just to... Which in a video game?
1: For me, actually, I, I was thinking about the ending, too. I, I, this could have been a great one to pair with with The Ring um, because it does kind of have that, uh, it continues on, uh, she lives in the video game kind of best thing. Um, but for me, I thought it as a really cool evolution. I mean, if we're going to compare it to Brain Scan, whereas Brain Scan was made during this time where people were scared of video games. But it was, it was that was the big conversation for so many years. And I think in 2006, we finally see a progression where a movie is able to be made, uh, produced slash distributed by a major studio. And it was kind of celebrating video games and celebrating first person shooter and this life and this culture. And I thought that I thought the coolest part about this was their the video game cafe to me, it was like a place where all these 20 something year olds hung out, drank Red Bull and other energy drinks and like talked about video games. And even in the, I mean, they talk more so about it in the deleted scenes, but throughout the film, they talk about, you know, the careers that you can make off of video games and the lifestyle and, like, the f- the friendships that you make. Um, Hutch in the deleted scene says, you know, we all met online through this uh, this gaming system, and it was, like, kind of celebrating this culture, which I thought was really cool and kind of the first time that we've seen that in cinema.
2: Yeah, I just kind of wish they had four loco in this video game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I Me might either. be misremembering it, but I feel like in 2006, there was still a conversation about video game violence causing real-world violence. Oh, I'm I sure. I might be misremembering, though. I, no, I...
1: no, no, no. Like, yeah. definitely. The the point being that, like, there wasn't... It wasn't so much a pushback where a movie like this was able to be made and to be seen.
0: It, it is interesting, because that conversation of video games inspiring virus uh, violence has definitely petered off a lot, and... Kind of entered into the conversation of like representation, like oh, are these video games problematic because they don't represent certain characters and etc. Much less than are they actively inspiring violence in youth, right? Yes, it's become more a conversation of like addiction and also
2: content representation. Right. I mean, listen, we talked mentioned we mentioned this in brain scan with the uh, the the gun violence that he wouldn't let them have guns, but a lot of this talk about violent video games is just a scapegoat to misdirect from conversations about gun violence and gun control. Yes. Uh, now that there is so much research into violent video games that people... I, I think most people understand that violent video games don't cause real-world violence, but there definitely are still plenty of people who don't understand that. So a quick statistic of the... 33 uh, school shootings that have happened since video games started becoming a big thing. Only four of the shooters actually played video games. Wait, really? So we're big into them at least. That was a statistic in an article that Devin sent.
0: Yeah, I wonder if that's true interesting
2: now the new scapegoat which i think donald trump brought up even more than violent video games was mental illness and i just want to throw this out real fast there's not a lot of evidence to support that one either um there i I found one study where it said that only eight percent of mass shooters uh had some severe mental illness which is less than the number than four out of 33 that played video games so That's not a great scapegoat either, guys. Please don't do that.
1: And I, sorry, I have a quote for this one, because I I love that you brought this up. So essentially what you're saying, David, is that we should blame it on the guns, correct?
2: I mean, it's more than that. I think, I I didn't have enough time to fully research this, but I think that most of the shooters are also uh, straight white men, generally and I think that there actually is a very real conversation be had about this and toxic masculinity. For sure. um, a, a lot, not, not all the shootings, but a number of them have been, like, race crimes, hate crimes. Uh, there was the poll shooting, obviously. That was a hate crime against gay people. There are mosque shootings, a lot of them against Muslims. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it seems like a lot of this just comes from a place of hate. Also, a lot of it is just people being psychopathic sadists who want to kill people and would do that either way. Video yeah. games don't. Video games don't make killers. Video games make killers more creative.
0: Uh, I actually, I would think, I would think it probably makes them less creative because they're copycatting, whereas they're not coming up with it on their own. But I do want to comment. I don't. I don't think they're. There really are not enough mass killings to kind of draw census data from. That is very true. To say that any one type of person, because there actually have been mass shootings by like Native Americans, but there's been like one or two. And then if you take that Mm -hmm. statistic and put it in, they're overrepresented in the number of Native Americans who have killed people. So it's such a small number, although it's a gigantic problem, obviously, but it's such a small number of people that you're pulling together in this census data, that you're drawing uh, population statistics from it is a kind of a skewy science.
2: You're, you're, that is absolutely correct. We don't have enough statistics to be completely certain what the cause is. But we shouldn't be scapegoating at the same time. One thing that is a uh, normal component in, most, uh, in, in all mass shootings is that all mass shootings are committed with a gun, so...
1: And I think this is directly commented on, actually, in Brain Scan, and I have to say this quote because I love it so much. Um, Michael is talking to to the principal um, about, you know, why he has this horror movie club. So they're talking about it, and um, the principal is like,
2: Why do you watch these films? Let me understand.
1: I guess it's kind of an escape.
2: Like, Lighting up a marijuana cigarette and escaping the real world? <laughs> like watching a pornographic sex film and getting an erection and raping someone?
1: I don't think erections rape people. People rape people.
2: So, actually, I gotta comment on that.
0: Because I kind of see Brain Scan as almost like pro-gun. Because it's it's like the, the character who's doing all the mass killing... Doesn't have access to a gun. It's owing everyone else.
1: Oh, that's fair. It's
0: kind of saying, and when he's saying that erection line, he's like, people kill people, guns don't kill people. So I, I really, I, obviously, I don't think Stay Alive has any stance on gun violence. Are there even guns in the movies? I guess the cops have guns, but
1: uh, no, there are
3: scissors.
0: Brain, brain scan leans to, leans heavily into like personal freedoms. I think of most kinds, if not all kinds, pretty much.
1: Yeah, I that's yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Decisions. I mean, what not?
2: I, I interpreted brain scan as anti-gun primarily for the scene when the the, the, search party, uh, with the night watch when he tells them not to have guns and one guy brings a gun and then he winds up shooting, a completely random person who's not even the killer, just, on a trigger. Honestly, it was everyone. Everyone had guns and i mean that seems
0: pretty dumb <laughs> it's like the guy walks up to a group of like a hundred people with his gun drawn like why i know it's on your property man but like, that's a pretty dumb thing to do to walk up to a group
2: of like 50 people holding guns and point a gun at them
1: why does everyone have guns in the first place though you know and
2: the movie particularly draws attention to the fact that they should not have guns in that moment yeah. they were instructed right. not to so i think the movie is squarely placing the blame on the fact that they brought guns Mm, i don't know
0: because of that erection line earlier and like the uh, the ideas of like personal freedom so i think it's a little scatterbrained between the two but it's not that well thought out yeah yeah so i kind of but yeah I, I think it is saying something about killers will kill even without guns okay so uh another through line between these two films is the campiness like both movies seem to play heavily into just silly jokes um I mean, almost like bad acting. Uh, I mean, Trickster is obviously played up very Hamily. And uh, Stay Alive is super funny because of all the camp. You know, the characters being, like, uh, purposely stupid. The cops being so on the nose and all that stuff. What do you, what do you guys I, think?
2: I wouldn't call either of the movies bad acting. I, I think that uh, John Foster and uh, the whoever plays Abigail are... Weaker than the others, but I I think the supporting cast of stay alive, and the entire cast of Brain Scan are all like they're they're completely fine. None of them are going to win the Oscars for these roles, but they're all good, especially Liam McBoyle.
0: Even Liam McBoyle McBoyle is a little bit hammy and certain. Yeah, but that's not bad acting. He's a little bit hammy. He he does uh, deliver a few hammy lines. Frankie Muniz delivers a lot of hammy lines when he's
2: first introduced. Yeah, what I'm saying is that hammy acting is not bad acting but it's campy acting. Yeah. And it's like it's probably purposely campy.
1: But I know I'm, I'm I'm in agreement with David here. I don't think either film is necessarily campy. I think Really? The camp that you're perceiving from Stay Alive is just the actual faults of the film. Um
0: I think they're intentional. Though. I
1: I do I do like the movie and like it is hammy. Certain characters are hammy for comedic relief, but I don't find it campy. I think like what we find funny is like some parts are funny, but some is just like bad filmmaking.
0: Yeah. But I think it's purposeful. Like when, when he's having that conversation with October, like that's super campy. And also uh, the beginning when he finds the dead bodies and he has that like big reaction, that's kind of like a staple of camp. And when Frankie Muniz like runs away from the car like, that's but really
1: silly. But outside, outside of those two, what else do you see as campy in the film?
2: I just want to clarify. I agree with Rob. I do think the movie is somewhat campy, although maybe not over-the-top campy. I wouldn't say it's over-the-top either. I, 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 What My argument was simply that campy acting and bad acting are different things.
1: I see. Well, then I don't agree with either of you. Well, but my, my question still stands. Is like outside of these these two actors that are clearly comic relief mm-hmm. uh what what else says camp about stay alive to you
0: mm. well the cops in particular just the way they do it oh and the video game uh, store uh clerk that guy yeah, with, the video with silly Kirk. hair super campy that's he's, just good acting i mean
2: that guy's clearly a serial killer
0: <laughs> that guy's a serial killer <laughs> it, it is funny both these movies have Basically the same plot device. There is this game, new technology, and then at the end, it's mass produced. Right? I, I
2: guess in... Uh, no, Brain, brain, is brain Scan is not mass
0: produced. Stay alive, it's mass produced. Brain Scan is just kind of like black market passed around.
2: Yeah, but it's mass produced without the prayer. When the video game store guy puts it in, there, there's no prayer. And I'm like, what? why doesn't he have to say it? Is she not going to come
1: then? Wait, well, well and the, the other thing, they killed her, so... So is she? So why is the, why is the game threatening? Like, why should we be scared about this becoming mass produced if we killed her?
2: I mean, the rules aren't clear. It depends on how you interpret it. Is is she back because she's in the game, or is she back because they said the prayer? In which case, saying it again will bring her back again. Um, I mean, it's also depending on whether or not you salt watch the deleted scenes. In deleted scenes, they have a developer of the game. And in the, the theatrical cut, there is no developers. so it's like, okay, I guess Elizabeth Bathory made this game. Which neither of those really make sense. I mean, if the guy made the game, then how, what, did she just, did he put the curse in? Did she just, who, who cursed it then? And if she made the game, then how, how does she know how to program a video game? And that's something where I would say, okay, there's some there must be some camp in this movie if like they have this serial killer from the fifteen hundreds is programming a video game? What? There are no um, rules. Um <laughs> scan makes no sense either. <laughs> a lot of Stay Alive is definitely just like bad filmmaking. I mean did you have, have you have you looked at Liam McPoyle's hat throughout the movie? You'll have a very fun time if you watch this movie again and just stare at his hat. It's fucking ridiculous.
1: We should really just have a corner that is David's script supervisor corner. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, yeah, so uh, (laughs) the the three things. So the hat, at one point, the string is just connected to his chin for no reason because they didn't feel like shooting another take or they just didn't notice it. Uh, There's another part where, like, the flap is up literally, like, three seconds later. It just keeps jumping around throughout the entire movie. And also, again, at the end, they put the video game back in and there is there's no prayer anymore even though that's like the most important part of it also uh, frankie muniz is alive for some reason
1: frankie muniz is alive for some reason
2: <laughs> <laughs> so now it's time for my favorite
0: part of the show and somehow we've managed to stay alive through this entire podcast after the viewing of these two incredible movies uh, starting us off this week on our bone reviews, where we review each film on a one through four bone rating system with half bones in between, is David P. Jacobs.
2: Um, so Stay Alive is not a good movie, but it's fun. But it's a lot less fun after Liam McPoyle dies. Like, the, those first 40 minutes or so before he dies are so much fun, and after that, it's just like, okay, I guess we got some quick shots of blood here and there, and eh. Uh, I'll give it two bones, because I did still enjoy myself, even though it's, like, not good at all. Um, it, it it mostly lives on a So Bad It's Good quality. Yeah, I, I think it plays a little bit in the So Bad It's Good quality, but not as accidentally successfully as something like Troll 2 or Birdemic or De Room. It's not as much fun as those, but does have some So Bad It's Good. Brain Scan... <sighs> I'm so conflicted. I I think you should watch it. I think our viewers should watch Brainscan because it is... it, It feels very much like something like 976 Evil or whatever, where it just is so much of its time and of its era. And it feels like a time capsule to that era. And it has a lot of really cool stuff in it but it's also a total mess uh the trickster is a fantastic villain i love the trickster i think he's Uh great um the game makes no sense the the rules and brain scan make no sense and it really needed that clarity like i i need to understand if he's in control of his actions or not that really makes a big difference like and i almost Wish it had the balls to just say that he was in control of his actions. I wish the movie had the guts to just fucking go for that and not give this complete cop out ending where it's all fake. Like that's that's not a good twist, that's terrible, and that really that that knocked half a bone off my rating, that stupid ending. I'm giving it two bones. Again, two bones, both of two bones, they're both they're they're fine. They're they they are worth your time. Uh just don't expect anything great.
0: Once again, David and I, opposite ends of the twist. I The twist was, like, the best part of the end of the movie for me. So stupid. Like, no, it, it made sense in the story. I was like, the whole time I was like, I'm kind of hoping this is, like, a game thing because then it actually has a commentary on games and it, stuff. Like, if it didn't, then it wouldn't have a commentary.
3: No,
2: it removes the commentary by having that twist because it removes the... But It would have a... The opposite commentary. It makes it so that you can't hold them accountable, so that they have no accountability. Okay, so our next review is by David Shepard.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm pretty even with David this week, I'm going to say. um, I'll, I'll do Stay Alive. Um, Stay Alive was has been a favorite of mine for so long. It, it could just be because, I don't know, I, I was the right age when I watched it. Um, everything was, like, super fun for me. It was, like, so... It, it says so much about the the early aughts to me um and and it just reminds me of being a teenager i don't know i don't know what it is um but it's it's i mean it's a bad movie like none of it makes sense uh i yeah none of it makes sense i'm extremely upset about the madame Bathory thing still always constantly um it has cheesy jump scares i when Abigail goes to like the secret cupboard there's dolls with maggots that are never explained like there's so much stuff that just like is never explained yeah it's 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 stupid the scares are cheap but then there are some really cool things in it that I like um I got really I like I don't know why it scares me so much because so much so much of it is bad but it does scare me probably because I'm a sucker for horror video games and I just I can't I can't do them um yeah. even though i do them anyway i think overall some really great writing some some great performances some not so great uh terrible directing terrible studio work fuck disney three bones for me brain scan i agree with david it's you know i think people should see it it's not it's not the greatest film i got really bored in the middle of it i will say Trickster's fun i like that performance um they do some things well i mentioned throughout the episode um very very of its time for me it it was fun to watch because of the 90s factor and also reminded me so much of some like 90s dcoms uh disney channel original movies and so for that it was fun but i'm not gonna put that as part of my bone rating because overall i just don't think it was like the greatest movie of all time so i'm gonna give it one and a half bones
0: okay so uh, i'm right between the two of you Uh, i'm gonna do a flip-flop though and do brain scan first uh i'm with Devin. i got super bored in the middle of this one i thought it had a really cool setup uh you know i i'm kind of a sucker for is it eddie long? i'm gonna mess his name up forever probably just because i love t- t2 i like decked at that part two that part was really fun uh the principal was cool the cop is really great and the first murder is actually neat when he butcher knife somebody and then after that all the murders suck like none of them are cool after that i don't really like trickster very much he's okay He's the best part of the middle of the movie, but I don't really like him. And the twist for me is kind of neat because I think that allows it to have the commentary. I know David and I disagree on this, uh, but it's, it's not very good. I, I think it's almost like bad. One and a half bones, not very good. It is of its time though, if you want to see that like 90s era type film. It's not the only film like that. There are better films like that. I can't think of them right now, but maybe we'll post them in a link underneath. Uh, as for Stay Alive it's it's so bad it's good that's all i have to say it's so bad it's good two and a half bones i think it's good and usually you don't like so bad it's good movies yeah most of the time they're not
2: good for me though most of
0: the time they're just bad this one is so bad it's good for me
2: you're the one who turned off the <laughs> oh yeah
0: that's trash that is trash the <laughs> pastor is brilliant it's really not that's like indie trash That is it for this week's episode of Cadaver Dogs Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you go home and watch these movies and play horror video games at the same time. But don't kill anybody. Uh, That's all I have to say. Goodbye. Death,
2: death, death. Part 2.